Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. This is actually take two, folks. I actually recorded this whole news and views, take one, and forgot to turn on my microphone. <laughs> so anyway, have a good laugh at my expense. Um, I'm going to talk today about a very significant story and I've got a story to tell before I get to the article because it's kind of related to it but first the housekeeping we do have a vid chat tomorrow at 3 p.m. that'll be US Central Time and I want everybody to remember to get your questions and comments submitted no later than 10 p.m. US Central Time tonight so that I can get them printed off and ready to go but the other bit of news is Daniel and I have basically had it. We're fed up with YouTube. We are no longer using that channel at all to broadcast or, or do our vid chats. And the reason being, folks, and if any of you out there are a good lawyer and want a really good class action suit against that wretched company, uh, have at it and look me up because YouTube actually censored two of our vid chat videos for violating, quote, their community standards. And I think it's none of their business since we were not broadcasting to the general public. But anyway, hopefully that uh, court case decision in Texas will snap some some common sense into these censorious idiots at YouTube. But anyway, we are on a new platform. So I will be there early tomorrow in order to get the new platform up and running. Now, please understand, folks, new platforms mean that I am wobbly in setting things up and getting things going. So I'll be present in the chat room, and we did not have any trouble with me getting things going on Tuesday when we did the test vid chat. But I'm just letting everybody know I might be a little late getting things up and running or I might be having some difficulties that require me to reschedule the vid chat, but I will be there. We are going to do the vid chat if I can get things up and running. And I'm going to be starting the vid chat probably early, probably around 2.30. So that's the news. Now, the story is I went out today to do some errands and a little bit of grocery shopping and I had made up my mind before I left that I was going to talk about President Vladimir Putin's speech about uh, calling up the Russian reserves and you know don't dare escalate the situation in Russian territories or we'll go nuclear okay and I was going to talk about that and I went out, did my grocery shopping. As usual, I got behind the wrong lady in the checkout line who had a special list of things, you know, several different cards she had to use to buy her purchases, blah, blah, blah. And all I wanted to do was buy a couple bricks of cheese. <laughs> I swear I have the worst luck uh, in grocery store lines. Anyway. I got back and I went through my emails and there was an email from our website member PT who had just read something, an article on the Ukrainian situation and on Vladimir Putin's speech. This article was on Zero Hedge and he, he said 
that the reason he was sending it to me was that there was one statement in particular that leapt out at him, and I read it, and it leapt out at me too, and it is so significant, I decided, no, what I was going to talk about, that all has to be tabled. We're talking about this article that PT sent me. So what I'm going to do, folks, I'm going to read the beginning of this article, and then I'm going to read the very end of the article, and then we're going to jump back to the middle of the article and that one very short sensational statement. Brace yourself, folks, because you're not going to believe this. Quote, and the article, incidentally, is titled, Russian nukes can be used to defend annexed Ukraine regions, the Kremlin warns. So here we go. Quote, once again, Dmitry Medvedev, the deputy chairman of Russia's Security Council, has served the role of issuing more severe read-between-the-lines warnings and threats, fresh off President Vladimir Putin's Wednesday speech announcing partial mobilization of national forces and which confirmed referenda of occupied portions of the Ukraine to join the Russian Federation. Putin's most alarming line came when he said, quote, If the territorial integrity of our country is threatened, we will certainly use all the means at our disposal to protect Russia and our people, unquote, following that with, quote, it's not a bluff, unquote. He had also stressed Moscow is ready to use, quote, all available, unquote, means to protect its, quote, territorial integrity, unquote. Medvedev has taken the president's words further in Thursday's statements, that's today, folks, stressing that regarding Russian seized territory and the move to vote in several areas. Now, these are votes for these regions to formally petition and then join the Russian Federation including the LPR, DPR, Kherson, and Zaporozhye regions, quote, there is no going back, unquote, and that even a nuclear option could be on the table. Now I'm skipping to the end of the article. To review the past 48 hours of Kremlin decision-making, which is poised to escalate this war even further, here is the logical course of what just got enacted in the call-up of some 300,000 reservists. Conscripts were previously told they won't be sent to the Ukraine to fight because they are stationed to defend inside of Russia. Ukrainian-held territories are now about to vote to join the Russian Federation. When these territories join Russia, then they are inside Russia. They are Russian oblasts, and attempts to defend formerly Ukrainian territory would then mark an invasion of Russian territory supported by NATO equipment. Thus, Medvedev's warning of willingness to use nukes covers these territories inside the Ukraine. Putin's emphasis of this is not a bluff notwithstanding... Some analysts say this is all about posturing in order to scare NATO away from escalation. Quote, I think it signals that he wants people to think he would risk nuclear war, unquote. Phillips O'Brien, a professor of strategic studies at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland, said, quote, I don't think it means he is any more likely to do it 
than he was yesterday, unquote. Now, before I get to the sensational part of this article, I want to point out that the silly West, the silly leadership, and I, I, I hesitate to even call it leadership, of the West has ignored Mr. Putin before when he was very patiently over several years trying to tell and warn, do not expand NATO or the EU into the Ukraine because it will bring about severe consequences. Everybody thought he was bluffing, and so here we are. Now, I am not suggesting for a moment that any Western power or leader appease Mr. Putin. But on the other hand, I'm not suggesting that we go out of our way to prod and poke the Russian bear, as this country and other Western countries have done with respect to the post-Maidan coup Ukraine. Uh, this was clearly, in my opinion, you may disagree with me and that's fine, this was clearly a Western provocation of Russia. And I think we need to take these warnings of not escalating further very seriously because it's very clear from Mr. Putin's actions recently that he's intending, if necessary, to escalate just as much as NATO intends to do. All right. Um, the other thing that I think he's really trying to say is if you do escalate, then don't be surprised if the gloves come off and we just go in and basically annex the rest of the Ukraine. But the real news here is in the middle of this article. And it's a very short statement. And I want you to listen now very, very carefully. Quote, The Donbass, that is to say the Donetsk and Lukansk republics and other territories, will be accepted into Russia, unquote, Medvedev posted on Telegram. That's when the former president and top national security official doubled down on Putin's nuclear warning, stating, quote, Russia has announced that not only mobilization capabilities, but also any Russian weapons, including strategic nuclear weapons and weapons based on new principles, could be used for such protection, unquote. That's the jaw-dropper. Because I don't know, friends, if you recall, it was the same Dmitry Medvedev who, a month before the Chelyabinsk incident, remember that? The meteor that was filmed streaking over the Russian city of Chelyabinsk a few years ago? A month earlier, it was the same Dmitry Medvedev who had gone on Russian television. And the whole purpose of the interview was to plea for an international asteroid defense system. And Mr. Medvedev then went on to state that if Russia did not get cooperation in building out such a system, then Russia would just have to go ahead and build its own. And then the reporter interviewing asked, well, how are we going to be able to take out an asteroid? And Medvedev remained very calm. He kind of smiled and said, well, well you, we could always use some of our thermonuclear missiles. 
And then he paused and then added, and we have other means of doing so. And he never elaborated on that. So on two occasions now, one regarding asteroid defense and the other regarding the Ukraine, Mr. Medvedev has suggested that Russia has other types of weapons available. And please understand, in the context in which he's speaking in this instance, in the case of the Ukraine, he's talking about strategic nuclear weapons and, quote, weapons based on new principles. In other words, the context here for the weapons based on new principles is of weapons that are capable of strategic offensive destruction. In other words, they're capable of mass destruction. Now, I want you to table that for a moment, and then we're going to go to President, former President Trump and also to one of those episodes that involved one of his generals after a typical North Korean saber-rattling episode. On a couple of occasions, you'll recall that President Trump gave indication that the United States had other kinds of weapons than nuclear weapons and really didn't even need to use nuclear weapons at all. And again, you know, the lamestream propertainment media in the West did not pick up on that story nor care to speculate as to what that statement might mean. Then there was a press conference after a recent North Korean episode, I believe it was General Milley that was, that was giving this press conference. But at the, at the end of the press conference, as it was breaking up, a reporter made sure to ask him and to be heard by everybody asking him, if you say all options are on the table, does that include kinetic weapons? And the general's response was a simple yes. Now, I suspect, folks, that if there is a weapons system being a genuine one, and of course great powers all the time will suggest that they have top-secret, super-secret weapons, and they may not really have them, but they suggest that they do to make an opponent pause and to... to reconsider their decision-making processes. But in some instances, a great power will have a secret weapon and it will never let on that it does, and that secret weapon can influence the outcome of mil military operations. I'm thinking in particular of World War I, when Germany had those gigantic siege guns that they had managed to make road mobile that they used to smash the fortresses in Belgium that allowed the German army to go sweeping into northern France at the outset of World War I. No siege guns, those, those armies would have been delayed much, much longer than they actually were. So secret weapons can influence the course of military operations. Now, I'm suggesting here that in Russia's case, they're not bluffing. And the reason why I don't think they're bluffing is going back to the Cold War, the Soviets did deploy hunter-killer satellites of two types. The first type was a satellite that was designed simply to slam into another satellite and destroy it. The second type of satellite actually used kinetic weapons. It basically was throwing cannonballs 
at another satellite in space, or rather projecting cannonballs at another satellite in space. So that's a kinetic weapon. Now, the kinds of kinetic weapons that I'm talking about here are strategic ones. If you, if you take Newton's old formula, force equals mass times acceleration, if you have a sufficiently large mass, and usually the way that these weapons are described in the literature is tungsten rods or some similar, similarly heavy metal that is driven with a great deal of force, either by rockets or by um, uh, electromagnetic railguns, is driven with sufficient force to impact the Earth, and it's that impact... It's the mass and, and velocity of that impact that produces the explosion. And these explosions can be of a size of a nuclear weapon, of, of a small nuclear weapon. The difference is that a kinetic weapon, while it will call, is capable of causing nuclear-sized destruction, does not have the fallout. And the other difference is not being on a rocket, it effectually is a, a missile that can be a projectile that can be guided to a target very precisely. You're not interested in just hitting a city. You're interested in hitting a particular installation in a city and then causing massive amounts of destruction around that installation. I suspect, folks, that such a weapon may have actually already been used. If you go to my website and use the search engine for the chemical plant explosion at Tianjin in China a few years ago that was outside of Beijing, you recall that the devastation from that explosion was quite significant, but that the crater it left was very narrow and very deep. In other words, it was not the kind of crater you would normally expect from a chemical explosion, which should have been rather wide, but rather shallow. Uh, there were some people at the time that said, no, it was the building that, that focused the explosion and made that narrow crater. I have some doubts about that explanation. I think it's entirely possible that that very narrow, deep crater that left all that destruction around that chemical plant may have been a chemical weapon, or pardon me, a kinetic weapon. So my point here is, kinetic weapons are real. Uh, whether or not the Russians have actually deployed something like that. Well, in a certain sense, they already have, and they did it during the 1970s and early 80s during the height of the Cold War. So it's not something, the, the concept itself is not out of their reach, nor is the basic technology of doing so. Scale it up, and you've got a strategic weapon. Does the United States have that capability? Again, I would not want to make military or political decisions based on dismissing the possibility. So I think Mr. Medvedev just sent another warning. And incidentally, it's significant that Medvedev was the one that suggested other means of taking out asteroids, which again, a kinetic weapon could certainly do. So I think uh, the Western leadership definitely needs to wake up and take this recent warning very, very seriously, because what it really means, folks, is that Russia's willing to use weapons like this. And that means that you're not even really dealing with a nuclear war anymore. You're dealing with nuclear war levels of destruction, but you're not dealing with the fallout aftermath. 
you're dealing with a weapon system of mass destruction that conceivably makes wars fightable and winnable again. And that should scare everybody. And let's not forget that on top of that, Russia has also deployed nuclear weapons, strategic nuclear weapons recently, that are at least a generation ahead of anything in the known American or Western European arsenals. So that's it for today's news and views, folks. Uh, something to think about very, very seriously. Uh, I hope we'll see everybody tomorrow for the vid chat. Don't forget to get your submissions in by 10 o'clock tonight, U.S. Central Time. I'll see everybody tomorrow, at least in the chat room, and hopefully for the vid chat on the new platform. Bye-bye, everybody, and God bless. We'll see you on the flip side.